So for me, any photo is, is not a finished product. It's the beginning or can be mm, the beginning yes. of a conversation to learn more about the viewer, the photographer, you know, what memories does a photo trigger? What thoughts do you have when you look at it? You know, do you like it or not? And every time there's an answer, what my work involves is saying, why? That, my friends, is the voice of psychologist Judy Weiser. And this is Stacy Julian with episode 93 of Exactly Enough Time. is a podcast about being present. It's about recognizing the time you have to enjoy the people, places, and things important to you. Did you know we can choose to be curious and playful, to live with intention and to create connection? I am a life enthusiast and a storyteller. I interview interesting people and talk about what they do and why they do it. Listen up. I think you'll find inspiration for living your life and telling your story because you have exactly enough time. Hello, hello. I am so delighted that you are here with me today. If you are listening, and obviously you are, I have a hunch that you are a fan of capturing your world through photography. You love to use the pictures you take as a way to better understand yourself, to remember and celebrate and relive memorable moments, and to share your perspective with loved ones. You may even agree with me that as you have done so, you have created a stronger sense of mindfulness for yourself and perhaps even a greater degree of satisfaction in your life and your relationships. Well, these and additional benefits are the aim of a well-established set of tools available to mental health professionals known as phototherapy. And my guest today, you guys, it's so exciting, <laughs> was the very first psychologist back in 1975 to publish an article with that term, phototherapy, in the title. Judy Weiser is an esteemed pioneer in what are now widely used and appreciated techniques that professionals integrate into their practices. Judy is a psychologist, an art therapist, consultant, educator, trainer, university adjunct faculty member, international lecturer, and author she is the founder and director of the Phototherapy Center in Vancouver, Canada. She is considered the world authority on the emotional significance of personal photographs. Wow, right? And she's on my podcast. So it goes without saying that I am super excited for this opportunity to share, without further ado, what I am learning from Judy with you. Oh, listeners, I am so thrilled today to have with me Judy Weiser. Hello, Judy. Hello, Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> this is 
just so thrilling for me. And I honestly can't remember exactly how I found you, but I was Googling around one day. I'm always after people and things that can validate what I do and what I want to believe about the power of photography. (laughs) And somehow I landed on your website and I just thought, I'm going to go for it, you know, and I sent you an email. (laughs) So thank you for responding to that email. I would love you. Now I remember it. I'm not completely sure either. (laughs) But I would love you to start. Please, if you're willing, just share, uh, introduce yourself uh, kind of, you know, personally, so we can connect with you that way. Uh, <laughs> I never know what to say. I have like 40 or 50 years of doing this work. So oh. I don't want to take up your whole program. Well, tell us where you're from. Where do you, where do you live and a little about your family, your hobbies? You know, we'll, we'll dive into phototherapy more, but tell okay. us about Judy. So I, I am, <laughs> um, a psychologist and an art therapist. I have credentials mm. in both and okay. I spent many years helping people with problems using the phototherapy techniques that I helped pioneer. All of that time, I was also being a hobby photographer, um, got to the point that people were having me exhibit my photos in galleries. Wow. Um, Just fascinated by how people perceived my own photos that I knew so well, um, that people would see them completely differently. depending on what they were seeing. And this sort of led to a braiding of my two interests in becoming interested on how our own personal snapshots not only narrate our lives, we can use them as sort of openers, as starting questions to find out more about people. I grew Mm. up in Houston, Texas. If you want, want, I can start talking like a Texan. (laughs) Use my accent. Um, uh, I moved to Canada in 1973, became a citizen five years later, fell in love with this place. Uh, yeah. Vancouver is a city on the west coast of Canada, similar to Seattle, but yes. with big mountains. We have ocean and forest and city and eagles and mm. whales. And, you know, it's, it's a paradise yes. to live in. And we now live on a small island near that city. And um, I do what I want all day long. I'm semi-retired, except for the parts I enjoy doing. So I no longer treat patients as a psychologist. Okay. Um, I decided some odd years ago that I'd prefer to help people learn how to help their clients. And so Mm -hmm. I can reach more people that way. So I started doing teaching and training and have a book and have a website Mm -hmm. and have a Facebook group and, you know, who I am as a person and who I am in my work are so braided together. I don't really know what else to tell you. So it's your turn now. And let me just comment on Vancouver because I have been, and and actually when we were there, I was there with my husband at a scrapbooking event. This is many years ago, but we both said to each other, we would live here. Like oh, this yeah. is such an amazing place. We brought our son back and drove him up to Whistler. He was a snowboarder. That's probably one of the most beautiful drives I have ever taken. From. But we tell we tell people it rains a lot here because if every tourist who loved it moved here, it wouldn't be the same. Well, and that that see, and I grew up in Seattle, so that's the secret. You just keep oh, on thinking right. it rains yeah. a lot in Seattle, okay? Because then yeah. you won't come. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Oh my goodness, I I mean, I just yes, you could go on and on and just keep introducing yourself, and I would be perfectly happy. But <laughs> I want to just for the benefit of my listeners who are primarily you know, women, hobbyists, we love something to do with pictures, whether we're currently scrapbooking or memory keeping or not. So what is a super simple definition for us of phototherapy? What exactly is that? Phototherapy 
is a set of techniques that can be used by mental health professionals or by the general public. I call them photo-based questioning techniques. I think that's oh. the easiest definition. If, if you want to learn more about someone or, or yourself or your therapy client, talking in word, how are you? What was your childhood like? How do you feel today? Those verbal dialogue, and they require a verbal answer, which means you have to stop feeling what you're feeling and talk about it in words, which oh. is difficult for a lot of people, especially it's impossible to talk about a feeling while you're having it by backing off from it and using words to describe it from an outside viewpoint. So for me, any photo is, is not a finished product. It's the beginning or can be mm, the beginning yes. of a conversation to learn more about the viewer, the photographer, you know, what memories does a photo trigger? What thoughts do you have when you look at it? You know, do you like it or not? And every time there's an answer, what my work involves is saying, why? Or asking why. Mm -hmm. you, know, you like this one better than that one? Well, tell me more about that. Why would that be? Using the photo hmm. as a bridge into our deeper layers, sometimes even unconscious, of how we feel, what, how do we feel about things? How do we uh, establish the value of something? You know, how do we know whether to trust a person? All of these things all day long can be problems for some people and, and not for others. And sometimes there's couples where one doesn't quite agree with the other and, you know, I'm right, sure. so you're wrong. And instead you use the photo to show people that any photo can tell a different story to each viewer. And once they begin to understand that, the problems between them and other people can sometimes be be seen the same way in that we see this, we see our son differently. You know, yeah. I think you're too soft on him. You think I'm too hard on him. The issue isn't one of us is right. We're both right. Yeah. Let's explore why we have such different expectations of people or life or whatever. So I don't want to go too deep too fast, but yeah. phototherapy <laughs> techniques are tools. If you're going to paint a picture, you use a paintbrush, not a, a kitchen fork. You know, you pick sure. up a tool to do a particular job. And in therapy, where so much of it's just verbal, or even for the general public, you know, ever, ever sit around with people after a party and look at the pictures of the party and find out you have such different memories of the same event? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you ever 100%. look at your family yeah. album and have your, mother yes. say, and have your mother say, that's not how it happened. It happened yes. this way. Okay. Yes. The photo is what you focus on, but what it communicates goes through your own filters and everybody will see them a bit differently. And so photo therapy techniques that therapists, mental health counselors use can be adapted very easily for use by the general public as a photographic practice. You can take yeah. photos to explore yourselves. You can use photos of you and your friends or your family and, and start asking questions about, you know, which way do you prefer my hair or whatever. You learn things. <laughs> yeah. You learn things. As people think they're explaining the photos to you because, of course, aren't we seeing the same photo the same way? And right. we're not. We're and not. We're not. Yeah. I mean, this this is honestly why this is so exciting for me to talk to you today, because this is my passion. I, I call it storytelling, but I have truly tried to study this for the last mm -hmm. 30 years, you know, which is just this using photos to tell a deeper story, to understand more about yourself and more about relationships and how we connect with each other. So I love it. You didn't so, realize that you're doing therapeutic photography. Tech. Yes, I guess I am. I, I 
I'm excited to maybe learn. You know, I just want to learn more from you. So how how did you, and, and you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but let's tell me more. How did you learn of phototherapy? Like why did it become your maybe avenue of choice uh, in working with people? How did I discover phototherapy? I didn't discover it. I basically invented it for myself. And in those days where there was no computers and no email and no internet search engines, there wasn't Uh any way to find out about it unless you went to a library and went through the little index cards in the drawer looking for topics. (laughs) Um, Those were the dark ages, okay? So I started out in 1975 um, in my early 30s. I'm 75 years old now, so I've got quite a history. I started working with deaf children, and I could sign, but not very fluently. And they had emotional problems that they couldn't possibly express in words, much less Mm -hmm. in in written or or spelling. So I just instinctively used my camera and said, you know, Mm. you're having trouble with your mother. Well, let's go to the park and take pictures of good mothers and bad mothers, and you can show me how you know the difference. It was a way to get... Wow. There's, there's an article in 1975 that I can let you have for your website if people want to read it. It's about my work. And the person that I submitted it to said, what do you call this? And I went, yeah. uh, uh, you know, <laughs> and I took the sign for photo and the sign for helping, which is the same as the sign for therapy. So I said, photo therapy. Yeah. See, I told you guys, this is pretty special that we have Judy. <laughs> we get to talk to Judy today. Before I broke. Like... Um, in 1975, an article in the BC Photographer, Phototherapy, subtitle, Photography as a Verb as well as a Noun. In other words, active use of photos, not just let's look at. And uh, I thought I'd be famous and it got published and various people sent me letters. Remember letters? People wrote letters. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> yes. um, you know, there was a guy in Michigan that said, oh, I'm doing this with deaf teenagers. And I got some other guy that said, um, there's a clinic in Chicago and blah, blah. And then I got one that said, by the way, are you coming to the International Phototherapy Conference in Chicago in 1979? Oh, my goodness. That's what I said. <laughs> and it was like, Such a thing exists. It's yeah. like a double whammy. My ego went to the to the, the ground, but oh. the rest of me said, oh, there's other people. This is Yeah, you found your group. Yeah. You just found your people. Exactly. Yeah. So I went to the conference, and it was one of those moments, who uh, an idea whose time had come whole bunch mm-hmm. of mental health counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, whatever, family therapists, all of whom had photography as a hobby or as an artistic part of themselves, who got together in one room, people from five countries who heard about it wow. through a mimeograph newsletter in the mail. And funny moments. I mean, I used to use photos as a way to help young people. And then I was talking about using photos as a way to like one of those ink blot tests with without any interpretation manuals, so that you know, tell me what you see in the photo. I learn more about you. And I gave a talk, and psychiatrist from Toronto, one of the other pioneers, got up and said, "She just gave my talk." So he sat down. And oh, how funny! I started. Someone else <laughs> gave a talk about using photos with with youth, and it was like. I stood up and said, I don't think I have anything else to add to this. It was one of those moments, real moments in life. The three or four of us who basically pioneered these techniques and published articles and books 
and all of that stuff in the 70s and 80s. Huh. We became like a family, which is very unusual for a profession. Yeah, I bet. You know, usually it's, I wrote that before you did. Stop saying you were first. In our little family of uh-huh. therapy technique pioneers, it's like, uh, David, I need to read you something. Did I write this or did you write that? You know, that kind of. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It has come along. Several other international conferences, not only the U.S. and Canada, but Finland twice. Um, oh, my goodness. You know, it's huge. The field, the field about phototherapy techniques and various adaptations. Yeah. Um, it's huge. There's people in every country doing it. I didn't, I, they did, They invented it for themselves too, you know? So I'm dying now because you've said, you know, phototherapy techniques several times. So now give me, give me one, give me two. <laughs> can you actually walk me through maybe one or two of I the techniques? I will, but okay. first I want to make okay. something clear because one of the oh, okay. asked me um, is a very, very common sort of, not even a, a mistake, but just a misperception because you asked okay. me, um, uh, when we were doing email about why did this avenue of therapy appeal to you? And I just oh. make sure that I am very clear with both the professional listeners and the general public, this is not a kind of therapy. It's not a field. It's okay. very simply only tools, techniques, just like hypnosis okay. is a technique, you know, drawing. So you don't, yeah. So you don't become licensed as a phototherapist. No, it's no. just, you are, and you can be any number, you can be a, you can be a, a marriage and family therapist. Yeah. You could be, yeah. yeah. And then you just and you use these techniques. You're a fully qualified therapist is that you have studied particular models, fields, and you decide, I like this approach. Um, yeah. You know, if somebody else says, you know, I mean, I like Freudian psychology and someone else says, I hate it. They can both use right. techniques because it helps them get the information they need to help their client better and quicker. Okay. Yeah. But these are tools. Thank you for that. Thank you for that clarification. Cause I do think that's important. Yeah. The model I developed has five techniques and lo and okay. behold, it's basically the same model. The other two pioneers, David Krauss, who's a psychologist in Cleveland and Joel okay. Walker, who is that psychiatrist in Toronto that I mentioned earlier. And we all okay. use the same system. There are other people who said, oh, there's seven or, you know, there's three or whatever. Whoever you listen to that is using this stuff has developed the model that works for them. There are no big rules on this. For me, the, the, the matrix is an, an interrelated system of five techniques based on the five kinds of relationships between a person and a photo. Hey, Stacey, here's a question for you. Is your Facebook profile picture the same as your LinkedIn uh, profile picture? I don't think so. No, most people don't. Why? <laughs> you know, why? Uh, yeah. All your listeners can, 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 can understand this. How I expect to be seen in the photo. Oh, okay. Who's going to be looking at it? Can I be silly on LinkedIn? I can be silly on Facebook. We use photos as our language. And as you said, they narrate the story of our life. When ordinary public, I mean, you know, when I finished writing my book and someone said, well, what will I learn in it? I said, well, the part that's relevant to you is the same five techniques, which I'm about to explain. Um, Mm, Just done as photographic practice and not therapy practice. Pretty simple. Yeah. Okay. Phototherapy techniques are based on the different ways that people in photos could interact. 
And they're interrelated and interdependent, like the fingers on our hand. You know, our hand, I mean, if you think about it, your thumb can't do much without the other fingers. You know, right. your index finger, if it was the only finger on your hand, you'd have a problem. What these right. are is they're five, they're, they have to be separated for me to teach them, but they really interrelate. And I'll explain with a couple examples later. There's no correct way to use these techniques. They're beginning points for exploring a photo mm -hmm. with a client or a friend. They don't have to be mm -hmm. done in any particular sequence. Uh, there's not a right or wrong way to do them as long as you're getting the kind of quality of information you're seeking. And mm. everybody's going to use them a little bit differently. They are not about someone interpreting your photos for you. That is not possible, no matter who you read in the art world that says, oh, you know, the person painting this was depressed. No, you have no way to know that. So mm -hmm. the photo, the photo <laughs> cannot be read like a, a book or a tarot card. And the mm. person's reaction, you know, you're asking them about a photo. The person's reaction to the photo cannot be a diagnostic thing. You know, I don't like red pictures. That doesn't mean anything except they don't like red pictures. Okay. Okay. So the techniques. Interesting. Now, think about now you're going to hold a camera. You're going to look okay. through the viewfinder and you're going to take a picture. So one of the techniques is photos by the client. Alternatively, okay. you're in front of someone else holding a camera and they're taking pictures of you. Yeah. That's another technique, photos of the client. Third technique, pretty simple, photo of the client by the client. We call those self-portraits. Yeah. <laughs> or selfies today. Yeah. yeah. I create or take by myself. Now, each of those has a couple sure. of subcategories. So basically, photos of you, photos by you, self-portraits which combines okay. both. The fourth has to do with family albums, photobiographical collections, whether they're on paper or on a website. And, and by the okay. way, all of this is just as relevant for digital photos as paper photos. Okay. The new century has done nothing to change phototherapy techniques because we're talking about the heart part of the image. I like that, the heart part. Digital photography has given us more to work oh, yeah. with, for sure. Every every yeah. door that opens is also another door that closes, and you just move along or you get bored with life. You, <laughs> if you don't keep up, you're dead. Yeah. The fourth is, you know, what do people do with these photos? It's not just the photos. It's how they relate to other photos. So do you put them mm. together in a narrative? Do you do a family album where there's five photos on every page? How do you decide mm. which photos go with what? Um, looking at family photos, you know, were they posed or not? Are there family photos that you and your mother see very differently? Mm -hmm. So when you're looking mm -hmm. at photos in a family narrative of some kind, and family can be blood family, you know, relatives. It could be family of choice. A lot of people who are mm -hmm. not permitted to be part of their own family. They have friends that are like family. Family is a loose word, definition. Okay. And yeah. album is a loose definition because these days they're rarely binders with photos in them. And uh, so, you know, there's photos of a person by a person, photos of themselves by themselves. And all of those photos could easily be in a family album. And what happens in a family album is that the album is more than just a linear sum of the pages one after another. Uh -huh. A story is more than just a bunch of sentences together. And uh -huh. so for those of us trained in a model of therapy that involves what we call family systems, 
it's as important to me who's standing next to whom and why and who got left out of the picture. And is there only one person always taking the pictures? Are there some pictures of that person? And, Interesting. and wow. the lower, the deeper level, because that album has been created by a human being for their own purposes. So if you and your mother both have, you know, a hundred pictures to go through and you're each going to make a family album, your albums are going to look real different. Just depending yeah, yeah. on who you are, what interests you, you know, what is the real good, find me the best photo of this family you can find is a really good piece of assignment. It's a really good mm -hmm. assignment for couples therapy, because wow. as they tell yeah. me the stranger, why this is so typical of their family, they're listening to each other, but they can't argue because it's what we call in therapy, a transitional object. It is something they're holding that shows them there is proof to their story, even though the other person doesn't see that story in it. So this is yeah. why I keep saying these are tools to go deeper into places you can't get to by just talking. So we got four of the five, the last one underlies all the others and explains the entire reason that they work and I have to separate it out, like I said, to teach this technique so that you understand how to use the others. And it has to do, um, it's a bit of a fancy word here, projective, like a projector. If you're projecting slides in a slideshow, you know, sure. the light comes through the thing and lands on the wall. It creates the image by projecting. And we do that. We read a sentence in a book. You know, the guy walked in the black door and he had on a red hat and we see it in our mind. Sure. Okay? Mm -hmm. And you and I might see a completely different person with the black door and a red hat, but we're reading a book. So that's just words. If I'm looking at a photo, well, later we'll talk about the photos you sent me. Um, I am seeing those very differently than you are seeing them. You mm -hmm. chose those mm -hmm. as like five really important photos and, you know, not meaning to be rude, but they don't mean anything to me until I hear the sure. story as to why you selected mm -hmm. And I may yeah. not even see what you see once you even tell me. <laughs> so right. the fact that each of us will look at the surface of a photo that is covered in visual details and create a story of meaning from what we are seeing, we are creating the meaning as we perceive the photo. It doesn't happen automatically where here's the photo and now I know what it means because every one of us will be actually actively creating the meaning we're seeing in the photo. We don't realize it. Right. Right. You know, here's a story of a happy child. Well, not to me, she's not happy, you know? Um, so this is called photo projective or okay. photo projective interaction. And it explains the meaning of how any photo is always primarily created by the viewer during their process of looking at or taking or even just planning or imagining it. The yeah, projective yeah. process from inside their own conscious inner map of reality that determines <laughs> how they see what they see and what it means. And therefore, wow. this technique relates to all photos because it's about the process of viewing a photo and perceiving its meaning. So when you take pictures, either by pushing the shutter or taking one off the wall or a postcard or whatever, you collect them or you take them actively, you're making choices about what matters. 
Yes. This is not just for psychologists. For all you listeners, think about it. You have photos around your house. You have chosen to display some of them. Mm -hmm. You know, they may be photos of you or by you, but there's a reason that they're on the wall or on your desk and not Mm -hmm. in the garbage. You know, photos of you can be taken of you spontaneously when you don't know they're being taken, or you can be posing for them. And then we get a photo of your posing behavior. That happens for a lot of profile pictures and website bios. Mm-hmm. We, we create an image of ourselves that we want the camera to document to convey competency or attractiveness or whatever, but other people may not get that from the picture. We don't think about that. And so, yeah. again, the photo of you where you're posing and the photo of you that somebody took spontaneously, it's really fun in therapy or at your dinner table to put those side by side and say, I see two versions of Stacy. Which one is you or where are you? Can we do a photo of you that fits both of those definitions? Okay, Judy, I this is so, I'm I'm having a mind expanding moment because you're giving me context and almost words to new words and a new understanding for what I've already what I've understood inside and what I've attempted to teach and share, you know, over so many years. So I, again, I'm so, this is awesome, but I, and I can tell already that you and I are going to keep talking. I hope. So I think what I'm going to do, and this is to my listeners. Now we're going to have part one and part two, Judy, part one, Judy, part two. Okay. We will call it something different, but I have one more question for you right now. And then I want to wrap up, you know, temporarily. And then, then I want to keep going and we'll, we'll just this, cause this is so good. And this is so relevant and so exciting. I know for people that are listening. So my last question for, for now is just, I want you to help me. It, you know, it wasn't very long into my hobby and career in scrapbooking and I've been a magazine editor. And so, and I've authored a couple of scrapbooking books. So I'm also in a position where I love to teach and I love to share and help, right. Enlighten people about, about, telling stories with pictures. So I latched onto this idea, uh, like many people have of, of self-knowledge and awareness, you know, through my pictures. Um, specifically, you know, there was one period of time, four or five years where my health, I, I had some real struggles and I felt, I really didn't feel like myself, but I, and, and I didn't know it then, but I was using phototherapy because I would sit down and look at my pictures and I would go back a month at a time yeah. and I would be like, there's nothing wrong with my quote unquote life. My life looks fabulous. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It helped me separate what was going on for me mentally and internally from, from what I could see in the picture. So anyway, I, what I want you to do just here at the end of this first okay. part is it, I really believe that my, that my pictures have helped keep me healthier mm-hmm. mentally. They've helped me be mm-hmm. present particularly as a mother where it's, it sometimes can be crazy. You know what I mean? And you're managing other people and why is this? So just wrap (laughs) up. Why, what is it? I mean, well, I'm going to, I mean, what, why, and you've been telling us all along, right? But what is it about the relationship to photography, the taking, the viewing, the sharing, the discussing that is so powerful? Like, and maybe that's not a short answer, but why does it work? Why does it work so well? How many days have you got? Right. How many days have I got? Well, how about this? You've got three minutes <laughs> to wrap up part one and to entice our listeners to come back for part two. So what's the short answer to why? Why are why why does this relationship with what we create or view in a picture, why is it so powerful? 
Why don't you tell me why it was powerful for you? And then I'll give you my answer. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think because I, well, because of where I was living mentally with my thoughts, I anticipated to see evidence of how I was feeling inside. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet I would go to my computer and open it up and scroll through. And I'd be like, it's not there. I can't see any visual proof uh-huh. that anyone else could use as evidence mm-hmm. that mom is feeling crapalicious yeah. over here. Okay, so why is it that photos help us get insight that we might not ordinarily have? Is that what you're asking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. They give us, um, we're so used to having them that we don't stop to think of what we are holding is a frozen moment of time mm. that we are viewing in two dimensions at the moment, but mm-hmm. we are perceiving it as being totally alive in three dimensions right now, even if it was from a couple hundred years ago. We are viewing the photo and not realizing that there's a camera lens between us and that scene. And so we literally have stepped into the photo as if we are there right now Mm -hmm. in that scene and in fact could walk around and look behind that person and see who's back there and walk into the photo and turn around and look at the picture, look who's taking the picture. We can explore it because it's not going to move. It's in our hand. It's again, I call it a transitional object. It's a psychological term. Like a child has a teddy bear and the teddy bear can tell mommy what she's afraid of, but the kid can't is too vulnerable. Yeah. Okay. The photo is a bridge. And when you're looking at the photo, you are there as if you're part of that living scene, alive, three-dimensional right now. And so when you are holding a photo that you have chosen to take, to create, you're Mm -hmm. seeing it complete with all the intention that you had when you took it and evaluating whether it accomplished that or not. And if not, what's the next picture you got to take? It also, at least until digital and, and this century, a photo was proof. If there's a photo, if I have a picture of it, it happened. Don't tell me my father was always nice to me. Look at his face in this picture. Mm. You know, now these days there's Photoshop and I mean, the whole world is changing, you know, fake news, fake Mm -hmm. photos, whatever. But the point is, is that for those of us who are of (laughs) some age, uh, not Mm -hmm. like 20 and younger or 30 and younger might be different, but we still see a photo as evidence of proof. You know, I was happy once. See, look at this picture. Why can't I feel like that right now? Well, the issue is, and this is another therapy trick, uh, you can, let's take a picture of what you would look like if you were that happy again. You can pose it. You know what your goal is. You know what you're looking for. And when you suddenly hold a picture that you took of yourself looking happy, you cannot tell me it's not possible because I can see a photo of that. And I have moved you huh. therapeutically out of I can't and into I can, but I won't. And then we talk about why won't you and what are the steps to get you to that happy place. And let's do some camera work, pictures of you halfway there, pictures of you a quarter of the way there. You see how the therapist will use 
Yes. The problem, yes. the structure, the assignment of the, because the, the therapist gives homework assignments, go take pictures of this and that and come back next week. So you know, I know mm-hmm. you're trying to end, so I won't go into too much of that, but a lot of what's being done today in therapeutic, this is sort of a, a conclusion part. A lot of what's being done today as therapeutic photography techniques by ordinary people with their cameras or their phones, usually it's a phone, mm-hmm. that are dealing right. with emotional, you know, COVID, depression, um, you know, the world is changing, uh, it's spinning out of control. They'll go out with their cameras and take pictures of you know, anything from things that are bothering them or how the world used to be so pretty or whatever. As soon as you're out on a walk or sitting you know, in a room and taking pictures, your mind is off your problem because it's focusing on the picture taking. That is so Biologically, you know, the the stress cortisol hormones and all of that, you know, there's a lot of work being done with photos as a contemplative practice, mindfulness, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. a group of people going on a walk every Saturday morning to take pictures where they're all talking with each other, sharing the experience, and they're taking pictures of, you know, what they wish the world could be like, you know, it brings you up to be in a community, to be mm-hmm. sharing conversation about problems without it being threatening, um, and to be looking mm-hmm. at pictures and maybe sometimes liking what you take. And all of that is based on what happens when a person looks at a photo and creates the meaning of what they think is in the photo. And that's the basis of phototherapy techniques, which are the basis mm. for therapeutic photography. The end. Mm. The end. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. Thank you so no much. No problem. And stay tuned for part two, people. <laughs> she is right. There will be a part two. And this is because I still have questions to ask Judy. And I know for sure she has answers. Did you hear her say right at the end that it brings you up to be in a community to be sharing, especially around photos and meaning? Yes, <laughs> it's true. I love The industry that I have worked in for all of these years, I love the community that I've been able to create in online classrooms and just in all the ways that we connect around the stories that we create and that we tell and share with those that we love. So next time with Judy, I think it will be fun and insightful to go a little deeper into these techniques. Um, I've asked Judy to prepare some specific anecdotes Um, to share with us and kind of makes me nervous, but she's going to guide me through some personal discovery with a handful of my own photos. So in the meantime, there are links galore in the show notes so that you can find Judy online and take advantage of the resources that she generously shares. You will want to visit stacyjulian.com, S-T-A-C-Y-J-U-L-I-A-N.com. Click on podcast and then scroll down to episode 93. And while you are at stacyjulian.com, please make sure that you are signed up for my weekly-ish email updates. Okay, this is how you and I stay connected and how I can share with you some of the really fun things that I am working on for 2021. 
I am going to be telling you much more about my online course, Photo Freedom, in coming weeks. But registration is open right now, and you can save $30 instantly just because you listen to my podcast. So when you check out with Photo Freedom in your cart, use the code in all capital letters, ENOUGH TIME. And you and I are gonna get even closer. We're gonna have so much fun with your pictures, getting them organized, helping you curate them so that you can do some really great work in personal discovery and storytelling. All right, you guys, thank you so much as always for listening. Go spend some time with your pictures. See if what we learned today doesn't help you think about them in some new ways. Just promise me that you will come back next week for another episode of Exactly Enough 